So, Toby and Henrietta, over to you. Thank you. Uh, why don't you pray, Toby? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Gracious and loving God, we thank you so much for the joy of being able to be together in this way. And we thank you for everybody here and for all the people and all the families we represent and for all the people who aren't here and would love to be able to be here. Um, and we pray now that as we look at your word, you will open your word to us and you'll be here by your spirit and encourage us and challenge us. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Wonderful, Amen. Toby. So Lu Lucy has left, but she's trying to access through a different screen. So she may pop up at some point, Tom, if you can keep an eye on the waiting room. Yeah. How long do we have? I can see some of you are, are quite comfortable with knitting and food. <laughs> and, uh, so maybe you're expecting I don't know. Like two hour, two hour um, gathering. <laughs> as long as you like. It's just lovely to have you. <laughs> Okay, I'll, start, I'll start off um, and then Toby will, will pick it up at some point. Um, so we've just, um, we've just listened to three parables and all three parables are about themes that I think all of us um, have become familiar with over the last few months. The theme of Lord but also the theme of um, restoration and reconnection. So we've got the parables um, of a lost coin, a lost sheep and lost family. And Jesus is telling these parables, it seems to enable the listeners to sense a deep sense of loss. When you are disconnected with something or someone you belong to, and then also to have a deep feeling of joy when you are reconnected. So a little bit uh, like what we are experiencing this morning, a sense of knowing what we, what we lost all those years ago when we left St. Christopher's, but also the joy Come on, Toby. Being, Come on. being reconnected. I'm just asking you for a moment, maybe just to get into that um, feeling, that imagination that Jesus trying to evoke in his readers of, of loss. What is it maybe that you have lost over the last four months, especially? Um, and it can be something as material as a coin, um, loss of employment maybe, maybe literally loss of finances, or loss of, um, yeah, being friendships maybe, um, all sorts of things in our lives that we might have lost. And in some ways, losing a sheep and a coin might be relatively simple. You can kind of say, well, just get over it and move on. But the third parable, of course, is about loss of family, which is much more complicated. But in all of them, when you lose something, there's always a moment that you kind of go like, oh no, how could I have lost that? How could I not have been more careful? Um, so that's, that is really important for us to kind of get hold of that, that sense of loss. So when we then come to the third parable, um, and that is the one that is the longest, the lost son, the longest parable of all three, and the most complicated, and also the most well-known, and that's a parable about people. And the way that parable starts, there was a man who had two sons, already gives away that there will be some trouble. <laughs> 
Um, and uh, because in some of the Old Testament story, there are lot, in some of the Old Testament, there are lots of stories about two sons, which didn't end particularly well. Cain and Abel, Isaac and Ishmael, Jacob and Esau. So when Jesus tells a story about there was a man who had two sons, we kind of may wonder, how is this story going to end? Uh, what, what is it about this family that Jesus is going to tell? And as we all know, when it's about family, it's not straightforward. It's going to be complicated. And the themes of loss, reconnection, forgiveness, rejoicing um, in a family require a lot of work for everyone involved. And those of you who know us a bit better, maybe you know that as a family we have struggled with some of those issues over the last uh, years as well. So when we think about people and losing people, losing family, of course there has been a lot of very painful loss during the pandemic of actual death. As we know more than 45,000 in the UK, 650,000 worldwide but also loss of time that we could have spent with family. And I wonder whether you kind of feel that pain as well. Um, a loss of time. And maybe you've had family members in hospital or elsewhere in the country and you haven't been able to visit, to see them, to touch them. Um, and that's nobody's fault, uh, but it's just about the loss of connection. So Jesus is saying, I believe in these stories, just imagine that loss and the pain. Um, and I wonder how you have experienced loss uh, as a church community as well. Um, there may have been loss of coins as well, Tom, is there? <laughs> <laughs> Keep giving to church, people. <laughs> Take this opportunity and kind of uh, make standing orders and give online and so on. So maybe loss of coins, but also loss of connection with people. And maybe literally some people have fallen off the radar you haven't connected with as a church. And then also maybe that sense of loss. What is church going to look like when we come out of this? Will it ever be the same again? Or will we have to say goodbye to the old Christophers, old St. Christophers forever? But then maybe that will focus our mind that after all, it is all about connecting with God um, and um, as brothers and sisters of Christ together. So just to round off this, this bit before I hand over to Toby. So in this third parable, the lost son goes away, his own way, then he's reunited with the father who's compassionate, loving, forgiving, and goes literally out of his way to meet with him. And then the straightforward pattern would have been celebrations and a party. And everything is okay, everything is happy. But actually the story shows that there is much more going on when people and relationships are involved because there is the older son, the other son who's been alienated a bit and is struggling to come to terms with the family situation himself. But then we see that the father goes out of his way as well to meet that son because we see that he goes into the field and is pleading with his son and saying, please join the party as well. We are all part of this. So that is what we believe Jesus is trying to say with us, that Jesus himself is going out of his way to connect with everyone, with the tax collectors, the Pharisees, the sinners, and that there is a connection, a place for joy, um, 
and the connection with God uh, for everyone. And then, of course, the invitation for us to embody that as a church as well. And I think I've, I've been aware as I've read this, um, this uh, story again, that, that sometimes we're not a, aware of what we've lost until something happens and makes us notice it. So I don't know if you've had that experience that you've lost something, but you don't even realize it. And then a few months later, you suddenly look for it and you find that you can't, you can't find it anymore. Um, and, I, and I think there's something like that going on in, in these parables as well. That in the society that Jesus lived in, um, there was this huge gulf between different parts of society. There were the rulers, there were the, the, the religious and political leaders um, who things were going pretty well for them um, and they had the power. Um, and then there were a whole lot of other people who were othered, who were on the margins, whether they were because of their gender or their... Um, or, or their economic status, or their um, ethnic background, like Samaritans. There were all sorts of people who weren't part of the party, really, who weren't allowed in to the party. And then Jesus shows up, and because he starts hanging around with those people, he disrupts what's going on, and people realize that there's something missing. And then they grumble. Um, when, when I first showed up in Bradford, somebody said to me, when you become proper Yorkshire, you'll, you'll learn to be grumpy. And I'm, you know, I'm really working on that. <laughs> you weren't very good for, for me in that in Birmingham, but I'm trying to work on my, on my Yorkshire grumpiness. But, but the, they were grumpy and they, they were like, well, let me show you a, a, a picture of, um, I'll try and show you a picture of, of some, some grumpy, some grumpiness. Um, No, that's not no, the picture. There you go. Can you can you see can you see that? Um, there's. I think what what we've what we've discovered that um, as a society, we are also have been quite divided, and maybe we haven't noticed it as much. But some of the things recently have happened have actually revealed to us just how broken our society is. Things like um, the Grenfell Tower disaster and the responses to that. Some things like um, the, uh, the, um, the, Windrush, the, the, the Windrush scandal. And then particularly, I'm just going to stop sharing this. Um, do you want me to? I can't, can't stop sharing it. There you are, you're back. There we go. Thank you. Um, and, and particularly the whole COVID virus thing that we've seen um, in a new way, the health inequalities that we have as a nation, that some people, some communities, you, the, the, the probability of dying from COVID is much higher than others. And we've seen that very strongly here in Bradford um, in different ways. And that your, your economic background, how poor you are or how rich you are, makes a big difference in terms of how likely you are to do well with, um, in, in terms of COVID than other communities. Um, and it just seems to me that, that these parables speak into that because Jesus says, 
I want the church to be a community which is different. I want a church to be a community where we are celebrating um, uh, being together and what it means to live together and what it means to share with one another. And I think our memories, I mean, my, my memories of, of St. Christopher's are memories basically of parties, quite, quite a lot of parties. Um, and particularly the Springfield Project parties were just parties that, that, that have been brilliant. And I presume and hope and trust that you're continuing to party together as a church and as a community. Um, and it's been great to, to catch up with some of those parties even after we've, we've left. Um, but I'm aware too that the church, that it's, it's the COVID thing has revealed that actually the church is being has, has, has got issues as well. And the whole Black Lives Matter movement has shown that the church hasn't done very well either. And um, I've been reading and talking with some of our black clergy colleagues here. Um, and we've been trying to think through some of the really painful issues as a diocese, what it means to be Church of England. And actually we haven't served all of our communities well at all and that it's not easy to be a black vicar. It's not even, it's not easy to be, um, to be black in the Church of England in many, many ways. Um, and in some ways, I'm really happy to have had the experience at St. Christopher's, which has given a vision of how it can be. And I'm not saying St. Christopher's is perfect, but, um, but St. Christopher's for me is, is a beacon and, just to, to mention, you said a few weeks ago, Yvonne, um, your words have gone way beyond St. Christopher's in terms of the impact that they've made on, on many people actually in the Church of England and beyond. So my hope and my prayer is that Jesus will come and having revealed the issues for us in terms of how maybe we've been lost from one another, will also bring us back to one another in often really painful repentance um, and conversion into a place where it's a really glorious party that we can share with one another. Um, and that we be honest enough and truthful enough to tell the difficult stories, but also then to be reconciled with one another. And to know that Jesus is pleading for all of us to come back home and to be part of this great party, which he has put on, not just for the church, but for the whole of humanity. Should we, do you want to ask um, questions that... Uh... Yeah, I think maybe at this point, because we've, we've shared quite a lot, we could open it up for some um, questions or uh, comments, and maybe especially around the themes of, of loss and reconnection. Um, and and, um, and and God's vision for, for for the church, where Black Lives Matter um, is very much part of our um, of our agenda and our experience. Great, thank you um, both yes. for, for for that input and for that starter. And um, let's see if we can get some uh, some some questions or some comments. Uh, Debbie, I think you've raised your hand, which is. Very good of you. Um, can you unmute and make your comment or question? Well, I pressed the button, but it's Brian who has a question. <laughs> Hi, Brian. Hello there, guys. Nice to see you. 
Okay, so just in response to just talking about loss, um, um, <laughs> this morning we were around the breakfast table, we were having a conversation and uh, it led on to talking about when Isabel goes to university, when Joe at age 16 will hopefully go to boarding school with ballet. And uh, they asked, the children asked, well, won't you miss us? <laughs> and uh, this sense of loss, yeah? And uh, I said, well, no. <laughs> <laughs> Um, in the sense that um, it's in the sense that I hope I'm not embarrassing the kids in the sense that well it's just part of life and uh, there's a sense of adventure when these things and you embrace the adventure then uh, as you were talking um, I was reminded of a meme I've came across um, and this with the idea of loss what's our response to loss I mean some people see the or see a positive side some see a negative side. Is it possible to see a celebratory side to loss? Can you celebrate during loss? Um, so are we optimists? Are we pessimists? Or are we psalmists? Now the, the optimists, the cup is half full. The pessimist, we all know this, the cup is half empty. The, the psalmist, my cup floweth over. <laughs> So, being able to respond with celebration is that aspect of being able to see that God is in it and that God is all powerful and will bring us through to the other side. Thanks, Brian. Toby and Henrietta, please, can you respond? Well, I think that was a mini sermon in itself. So, I think. That was um, brilliant. Um, that, that, that was absolutely brilliant, Brian. And also to say that sometimes we lose things and actually we should have got rid of them a long time ago. Uh, <laughs> I'm not talking about people, obviously, at this point. But, um, but no, I completely agree with you, Brian. Thank you for that. Mm. Yeah. And I think, Brian, part of what it means to celebrate is that we actually do trust one another to go off. Um, and one of the one of the problems sometimes with society is that we keep people down. We don't let people actually give their potential, actually go out there because we're saying you, you don't matter. You don't, your life doesn't matter. And, and actually we're not going to trust you for that. So there's, there, there's a celebration of, of the opportunity and what we all gain when we're allowed to flourish like that. And that's such a lovely picture in your family of actually what we long for as a society, that we can all flourish and we can let everybody, you know, do the ballet or whatever that they maybe wouldn't have been allowed to before because for whatever reason, you know. So that's a great story. Thank you. It's a great story, Toby. I'm, I'm, going, to, I'm going to raise... I'm going to raise my hand here and, and see if, if it's all right for me uh, to ask Tobin Henry a question. Um, do, you, do you think it would be a good and, and helpful thing for um, churches, particularly churches with um, perhaps a, a, a strong Caribbean history to them, to, to try to go back in some sense to the painful experiences of the of the past and the way in which particularly Caribbean people weren't welcomed into churches in this country and to try to so have some kind of 
repentance and formal, some kind of formal way of saying sorry that we failed our brothers and sisters at that particular moment. Would you think that's helpful and edifying and, and useful in the light of what you've said this morning? I, I, um, I, I do. I think one of the things that I've been aware of that has happened a bit over the last few weeks is that in some ways we've put some of our black friends and family and colleagues in a position where we've asked them to share difficult experiences in a way that's been very painful and actually in some ways has been has not been good because it's in some ways been saying you share your pain so that the rest of us can learn or whatever and 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 i think that's that for me is can be almost manipulative so i mean i would love to hear from yvonne and from others in the church uh, actually about what you feel like that i mean for myself one of the hugely painful things about this whole thing has been that i am a bishop i am part of the establishment of the established church and and actually our church has failed and and i and i you know to put it really boldly my knee was on the neck of george floyd you know it feels like that sometimes that 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 is part of the culture and the history of which i am a part that this purple shirt is a part of you know the church of england um benefited massively um economically from the slave trade so so i you know there is responsibility that i that i want to take that i feel we need to take and and reconciliation as you say cannot happen until that truth is told and until that that pain is acknowledged and that is brought to light and but i think i'd love to hear from other people you know what what would that feel like from your from your perspectives because i think st christopher's is in a place to be able to do something like that that a lot of churches aren't thank you is there um is there anyone who wants to continue that conversation any i'm just i'm looking I'm looking to Yvonne, but I don't want to put her under pressure. You don't have to. Uh, <laughs> is, there, uh, is there anything that anyone would like to, to say to that? Go for it, Yvonne. Go for it. Thank you, Toby, for understanding that it's difficult enough experiencing um, bias and behaviours towards one that haven't necessarily been um, Christ-like. But it's difficult to continue to have to share that or to be the spokesperson to speak up about it. I think there has to be some kind of introspection, willingness for people who have either been silenced or have been guilty of behaviours that have not necessarily been uh, Christ-like. To self-examine, we shouldn't have to constantly tell our stories because I don't think that people always understand. I was really surprised that people didn't get what that eight minutes and X number of seconds was all about. That people weren't necessarily moved by it. They understood that somebody had been murdered by a policeman, but they didn't get the pain. 
And so therefore there has to be a level of introspection that takes place to understand why is it that you don't get it? Why is it that you don't feel the pain? And to do that work, it can't always be people with brown skin who try to explain again and again and again. And I think that you can beat yourself over the back with it, you know, and say, well, we need to repent. But the Windrush situation was the 50s, and there have still been behaviours that have not been becoming of the church in the 60s, in the 70s, in the 80s, in the 90s, in the 2000s. So nothing has essentially changed. So instead of repenting about Windrush, let's try and make a change for 2000s, for the 2020s that are to come. Because Brexit showed that there are people that, be, that believe in a way that surprised me, that have a belief set that surprises me, that made me feel probably less of part of a community, of a church community, and yet having to pray about that and overcome that whilst knowing that nothing has changed in their mindset. But I'm having to compensate for that time and time again. So that's where I'm at. I don't want to talk about it anymore because it's painful because I know that unless people are willing really to go before God and say, show me, show me how I can change. Nothing will change. But I have to look to the cross and say, my relationship is with Jesus. My relationship is, you know, what he's done for me, not what other people fail to do for me or say they're doing, but are not doing. Okay. Thank you so much, Yvonne, for that. Um, and I would ask you all to, to pray for our churches also here in the Bradford area um, and in this diocese where actually in our churches there are people who were very happy to see that plane fly over the Etihad State Stadium um, with White Lives Matter, you know, Blackburn um, or Burnley um, on it and somehow our churches have to take responsibility not just for the church but also for opening up a space where a brave conversation can happen in the community as well and that's something that we're trying to do it's a really difficult thing to do um, not least because we're not speaking from a position of great strength sometimes as a church but there are there are some there are some great resources um, as well. I'm reading a book at the moment called Ghost Ship by a guy called, uh, a, a vicar called Azariah Hans Williams. Um, and I'd recommend that, that people maybe have a look at that as well. It's about racism in the Church of England specifically. But there are some very, um, yeah, some very powerful resources um, that, that I think help us in that journey, Yvonne that you have have set out so well thank you uh, fiona you, you you've raised a hand um lovely to see you i know you're not always able to join us so um please please do uh speak thank you um i i was going to um carry on from what yvonne said and um suggest uh suggest a couple of things that add to what you said yvonne one is that it is exhausting talking about it. We've, um, one of the counselling companies that I work for, there's, there's me and three other black counsellors that work 
for this company and the rest of the councillors are all white and so our counselling the manager of the company asked us if we would do a diversity panel so we agreed to um, talk to our white counterparts about what it's like to to not be white and um, I think one of the things that really really shocked me was my counselling manager who I respect so much I told her about the amount of times that I have walked down the road and been told to go back to the country where I come from this is not just in England but also in Ireland and she was genuinely horrified she was genuinely horrified and I and I just said to her I think that is normal and I'm sure that every other Asian and black person that I know thinks that's normal as well um, so part of me wants to carry on the conversation because if my my counselling manager who I really like and respect and she runs a great company doesn't know that much about racism then we've got a lot of education to carry on giving um, or you know raising awareness we've got a lot of raising of awareness to do um, and I suppose one of the ways that we could do it is that people take it in turns because it is it is completely exhausting to be that vulnerable and so maybe we need to share the load that's all i was going to say Thank you. but I, I i just i felt so i really was so shocked that she didn't realize what i thought was normal i'm still thinking about it now and that that conversation happened about three weeks ago thank, thank you. you yeah I thank think, you. i think maybe it connects a little bit with with what i said at the end about the parable of the lost son but in that parable it's so clear that everyone needs to work hard to um uh, for, for the family to be a, a well-functioning unit uh, in yeah. the Bible and that is for uh, yeah and I think I think there's a lot of work that we can do I mean you, you only need to to google or to uh, there are loads of book lists going around as well how people can educate themselves on Black mm. Lives Matter and on 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 the kind of experiences that you Fiona um, have personally uh, and that's a responsibility for all of us to uh, educate ourselves but what a blessing to have some yes. people like you in, in a church community. And I hope everyone realizes Me too. That. Me too, Toby. Yeah. I think, I think, I think um, it, this conversation is, is, is so useful and, and, and helpful um, and highlights just some of the, of, the, of the tensions that I think we all face, which is that, you know, to, to, to say amen to what Toby says, is, I, as a white bloke, I don't want to be the one leading this conversation. I think other people should be leading the conversation, but I don't want people leading it in such a way that they feel vulnerable and exhausted by it. So um, somehow we need to square that circle, that those who are leading us um, are empowered to speak and find that their voice is, is heard and is taken seriously get a chance to to rest whenever they need to rest um so so maybe that's one of the things that as a church we we have to learn um is that we is that we do this together all of us together um and and we don't look to one or two folk to 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 guide us to guide us into a better place yeah i, I mean i i actually think it is the responsibility 
of the church leaders and of white church leaders to be leading this. Um, and because it's a white problem, basically. Um, and I think, um, yeah, I mean, it's for, it's, it's for all of us. Um, but, uh, but Banksy put it really well, you know, when he said, it's like there's this leak in a, in a flat, but it's coming from upstairs. And the people who are being, you know, the, the, the water's coming through their roof, have been going upstairs trying to bang on the door to get in. And, and they can't get in to fix the leak, but actually they're, they're suffering for it. So actually, you know, it's my leak. You know? um, and I, 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 I do want us to, to, to be taking responsibility for it. Um, Hassan has put something on the chat there, um, which, which, is, which is really, um, which is uh, um, pointing to the task group, which is, um, led by the new Archbishop of York, Stephen Cottrell. And I think we'll, it, it's going to be good to see what comes out of that. There was a, a really, really powerful couple of webinars for bishops in the Church of England um, over the last couple of weeks, led by um, a, a range of people on Black Lives Matter, which was really helpful for me. And one of the things that came out of it for me was that actually it's about culture change and the Church of England has experienced culture change in terms of safeguarding. When I was ordained, safeguarding was a completely different, you know, we just didn't have a sense of what, of, of, of the awfulness of safeguarding and abuse. And the church has made a huge change in that. We've got a long way to go, but that is a change which has a lot been led by bishops. And I'm thinking, well, if the bishops could do it for that, we can do it for this too. Um, you know, and, and, and there is hope. And one of the things I was so grateful for the way that Yvonne shared was that Yvonne held out that hope for us. And, and I you know, believe in God and in Jesus and that therefore there is hope. Um, and there is that vision of this celebration, which is there in the parables. Yeah, brilliant. Thank you.